0: I have to say, I am just, sometimes you have those worship moments and you go, wow. And I had a wow for myself this morning. So whether you had one or not, I don't know, but I had one. All right. So I, um, I do want to, uh, before I get into the message, just go over two quick things with you real quick. One I forgot to mention during the announcements, but Miss Roseanne, her life group and many of you are part of that, and it's a fantastic life group, but she's moving it from three o'clock to six o'clock, all right? So if you're part of her life group, come out this evening at six o'clock. We have her a designated spot for that group, and uh, so I just want to let you know that. Go, and it's a, it's a, She'll tell you where it's at. You can You can see her later on. My mind just went blank. I apologize. But now, here's what I wanted to get into today. You know, about a year and a half ago, we did something big here at the church, and we changed up our layout of our service. And what we did was, and, and, and understand where, why we kind of did what we did, but now you're going to understand why we're going to do what we're going to do. You like that? Is anybody confused? Yes. All right. But we, we moved our giving and our offerings and tithings to the boxes that are in the back as well as in the lobby. And we gave you an opportunity to do that at any time that you felt the need while you come into the building. But during that time, I've had many people go pastor. That That's kind of a, a time of my worship also. And I recognize that. And so the reason I want you to understand that we did what we did was because we didn't want to interrupt the flow of our worship service. And we just didn't want to stop what God was doing and then move on to something else. But... Me and Brad have been in prayer over this, and, and uh, we, we feel that we've come to a spot where we can give both sides of it. So what I'm getting at is in two weeks, we will change the layup of our service again. It's not going to be drastic, but it's going to be a little bit of a change so that we can give you an opportunity to give your tithing and your offerings in the service as an act of worship. And with that, you will not, there won't be any walking down, Okay. You'll be right where you're at. We will have uh, some of our volunteers uh, take care of that during the designated time, and you will learn more about that. Now, next week, I'm going to give you another announcement on that. It will not be as long as this one. I'm just going to say, get ready, it's coming, okay? That way you know. Now, the boxes will still be up. That'll be great for any of our um, connect cards, prayer cards. Hey, if you came in late, you can still drop it in there. Wednesday nights, that's how we'll be get doing our giving through that as well. Um, If you come in, because look, I've also had a lot of people go, Pastor, I have forgotten for like two or three weeks in a row. Shame on you. All right. Now you're not going to forget. All right. There we go. Let me get through that one. You know, there are some things in life that we would like to undo. Can anybody agree with me with that? Are there some things that you could just go, you know what? I could have done without that. If I could go back in time, guess what I would do? I would undo it, right? I would, un- let me tell you a story, and it's, I'm, I'm ashamed of it. I got to be honest with you. It's a pastoral fail and a parental fail, all in the same thing, right? Uh, Miss Stacy Silverman does a great job with our Wednesday kids ministry here at the church. And uh, one Wednesday night, a couple of weeks ago, she gave home a Bible verse for the students to memorize and to come back in the next week. And and be able to quote it. If they do, then they get some type of party or, you know, something like that. We've we got to bait kids, right? You know what I'm talking about? You bait them, don't you, to do right? Yeah, we baited our little guy, Caden, to go to school to the point that he expects to be baited every day. You know what I mean? Uh, it's, it's, but thankful for your prayers. He's going to school. Everything's good. But the other day, uh, about a week and a half ago, what, Carter, my 7-year-old, you know, we're talking, and I saw the slip of paper, and he's like, oh, yeah, we're supposed to memorize that, and if we do, we get some type of party or whatever, and, and, and I looked at him. I said, well, we'll get to that later. Right now, I don't have time to do that, and, and I push it aside. You know, you get busy. You know what I'm talking about? You get things overwhelming you, and you, you push them aside, and, and, and next thing you know, the whole week goes by, and he forgets, and then Wednesday night comes around, and the teacher comes to me and does this, says, so pastor, apparently you don't have time to read the Bible to your kids in a very joking manner, because obviously that's not so, but we do our devotions and stuff. But in that moment, I was like, man, if I could undo that conversation I had with Carter, oh, I would give anything to do that, right? So we all have things, right, that we would love to say that, you know what, I need to undo. I need to undo. Well, you know, I, it brings to my mind I wonder if there's some stuff that Jesus would look at us and go and you remember the the saying what what would Jesus do? How about this what would Jesus undo in your life? What are some things that if we would allow Jesus to really creep in there and go you know what it's not working. It's you're not following my guideline here. You're not you're not doing what you're supposed to be doing. You're you're not following the what I've given you in the word. So I think the best way for me as a pastor is to go ahead and let's talk about these things. We're going to talk for the next couple of weeks. Uh, a couple of things that just come to my mind of what are some things that we could undo? You know, have you ever given somebody a gift and you were had a lot of thought into it? You were excited about giving them the gift. And the day comes, the moment comes when you give them the gift and it's as if there's no excitement on that other person's side and they're just like, oh, thanks. Is that not emotionally draining? Don't look at your spouse. But is that not emotionally draining? Can I get an amen on that? You guys gotta wake up here, man. I mean, some of you are like, I'm in and out, pastor, help me. I'm helping you, all right? I sit there and I think about that and I go, you know, there's been times when I've given my kids something, right? And, you know, kids, you give, especially when they're small, you think you have picked out the greatest present in the world. And they open it up on Christmas. They take the toy out. They place the toy beside them and they take the box. Has anybody ever been there? All right. Is that not just frustrating? You spent your hard working money on something, and a lot of thought has been put in. You probably stayed in line on a Black Friday from Toys R Us. It's now bankrupt because apparently the price wasn't high enough to start with, right? To get them that special toy, only to put the box and play with the box and leave the toy alone. And I sit there and I thought, you know what? I wonder what Jesus thinks. I wonder what Jesus thinks with the gift that he gave us. The turmoil, the heartache that the man went through, the shame, the embarrassment, the pain. I wonder what he thinks of the church that he has given us, the bride of Christ. But yet, you know, what? often what we do is we take it, we push it aside. And we take on everything else around us that takes importance away from what the gift of Jesus truly is, was and will continue to be in your life. He gave us what? His living word. He gave us access to the very throne of God through what? Prayer. He's charged us with a spiritual mission. He's gave the same power that raised, watch this, this kills me, for me personally. But he gave me the same power that rose Jesus from the dead, Is the same exact power. That is with inside of every one of us as a Christ follower. But yet we say we can't get over our situations and our issues. What are you trying to say? That Jesus couldn't get over those either? It's the same power that's been placed in each one of us. I think this. One of the first things that Jesus would undo in our lives. Completely undo. Would be a spiritual indifference. To be indifferent means um, that there's no particular interest or there, you're, you're, there's no sympathy over anything. It's, it's you are what? Unconcerned or mediocre. Jesus wrote seven different letters. And if you've never studied these, we actually looked a little bit at this in the, uh, the last three weeks through the end time uh, sermon series that we went through. But he shares with us seven different letters that are recorded in the book of Revelations. And he wrote to one particular church, the church of Laodicea. This was a pretty powerful little community. Laodicea had been destroyed. I'm giving you a little bit of background here, a little bit of foundation before we, we get any deeper. But Laodicea had been destroyed by a big earthquake about 35 years prior to what this letter was written. And since they had rebuilt, Um, They had rebuilt stronger. There were stadiums. There were theaters. It was very lavish. It was literally probably what we would consider as a modern day Dubai. This was the hot place to be. The problem with this community is that they had inadequate water supply. Which you can imagine the trouble that something like that would, would bring about. They had all of these wonderful things, but... They were inadequate in this area. And so what they had was is they had built these aqueducts to bring water from two places. One was from Colossus and the other was from Hierapolis. Hierapolis was known for the hot springs. Hot springs were thought as, uh, in, in medical terminology, you could take these hot baths. They felt that it brought healing powers. It brought replenishment to the body. But the problem was, as time for that water to get to Laodicea, it would begin to cool off. And that water would no longer be hot. And then you had, uh, of the other, of uh, Kalas, where it was very cold water, cold springs. And that water would begin to travel to Laodicea, but the problem with that is, as it traveled, it would begin to become warm. So you had this area now that was getting water, but we understand that they were getting from the source that was supposed to be hot was now becoming cooled off. The source that was supposed to be cold was now beginning to warm up. So we're going to look in Revelation chapter 3, uh, verse 15 and 16. And this is what Jesus says. He says, I know your deeds. In other words, he's saying, I know how you're living. Um, I I know what you've been involved in. I know what activities you've been doing. I know what's been going on in your life this week. I know what energies you've been placing it to. I know where your passions have been. But he goes on to say, I know your deeds, that you are neither cold nor hot. I wish you were either one or the other. Understanding that what both serve a purpose, all right? goes on to verse 16. So because you are lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I'm about to spit you out of my mouth. So what was Jesus saying in this? Simply this, you're spiritually stale. You are detached. And he goes on to say pretty much after what I've done for you, I've called you, I've empowered you, But when he said, I'm about to spit you out, the very little translation is this. I want to vomit you. That's what it means in that moment. Jesus is saying that there's a spiritual indifference here within your life. And it's breaking my heart. It's turning his stomach. It's turning his thought. And what I have done for you, the fact that you don't seem to care at all, It makes me want to what? Vomit you or spit you out, as the word says. Doing this in in, in what what type of way? Spiritually. So here's what I truly believe this morning, and I want you to try to grasp with me, is that Jesus would love to undo within your life spiritual indifference. What he's wanting to do is to build within us a foundation. And here's what we're gonna do, we're gonna look at two causes of what I believe brings about spiritual indifference within us. What causes this indifference within our lives? And the first one is this, self-sufficiency. This is what Jesus said in the next verse to the Laodiceans in verse 17. He said, you say I am rich. In other words, you've got all of this. You've, You've got all that you need. I have acquired wealth. And do not need a thing. But you don't realize that you are, watch this, wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. In other words, we don't realize that you think you have what you need. But you're missing on what matters the most. So often, and quite honestly, we have this kind of attitude like, you know what, I'm good. I don't need that spiritual stuff. I I'm, I'm good. I've I've got my stuff. I've got my car. I've got my electronics. I've upgraded everything. I've got all of my entertainment. I've I've got my great friendships. I've got my reputation. I have all of these things, but watch this. Jesus is literally telling you and I, you have material stuff, but you are spiritually void. You're full of things of this world, but you're lacking in what truly matters. Your life is full of stuff, but you're empty in meaning. So why is it that we're drawn to the things of this world and the things of this world never, ever satisfy? How are you doing? I'm good. I've got what I need. Well, you think you have what you need. But really, we have no idea. Why? Because Jesus calls us something. He says this. We are what? Wretched or pitiful We're poor, we're blind, or we're naked. In other words, Jesus is saying this to his church. You're full of stuff, but you're spiritually bankrupt. You have an illusion of self-sufficiency. You know what? I was thinking about this and, and, and understanding that we have spiritual indifference. We get to a place within our lives where we go, you know, I don't know why I'm in a season that I'm in, but I'm just in a season right now. I'm in a season that's lacking spiritually. I'm in a season where I'm just not feeling it. Have we ever been there before? We're in a season where, you know, I'm just not, I'm not into the word of God. I'm not into the time of prayer. Pastor, you're lucky that you even get me here on a Sunday morning, much less a Wednesday night. I'm not... Feeling a life group. I'm not getting involved in a church. I'm not, I'm struggling spiritually. Can, can I let you understand something? I get it because I've been there. I've gone through seasons of drought within my own life. But the only reason truly that we're going through such seasons in our lives is really this you're allowing it to happen. You are responsible for the spiritual indifference which is in your life. It is because of the decisions that you have made is why you are not feeling it when it comes to God. You need to understand this, that the same presence that was with Jesus when he rose from that grave, the same power that was in him when he rose Lazarus up, the same power that was within him when he healed those who were blind. He made the lame walk again. The same exact. You know where I'm going with this. And I'm about to hit a strong point, And you're going to clap. And you're going to. Thank you Jesus. I don't even have to go to it. Because you know what it is. But The problem about it is. We're, we're, we know it. We understand it. We've. It's been preached to us. It's been taught to us. We've read it in the word of God. You have felt it in your own life. But for some reason, we continually make decisions that go, I'm going to be spiritually indifferent. I'm going to live a mediocre Christian life. I'm gonna go through a season where I'm not gonna be interested because you know why? You don't know what I've been through. You don't know the heartache. You don't, look, I've You don't know the marriage that was busted up, Pastor. Yes, I do. I understand that. You don't know the financial need. Yes, I do. I've been there. You don't know the sickness and the death that's been in my family. Yes, I do. I've been there. You can't tell me anything that you have never been through that I've not been through also. And you, more more importantly... You can't look at God and say, God, you are not there in my life. When Jesus himself can say, when I was in the wilderness, I experienced everything that you would ever go through. And I went through it to let you know that the power that's inside of me that can allow me to get through it is the same power that is inside of every single Christ follower that says no weapon that is formed against us can what, ever prosper. So here's what we do. Number two, we become distracted. Distractions of this world. What causes this spiritual indifference? Jesus told a parable about a farmer who was throwing some seed out. Some of the seed was starting to take root in the grove. And to grow, but in Mark 4 19, Jesus said this, but the worries of this life. Is anybody worrying here? I'm a worrier. Straight up. I, 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 it's in me. And I, I go against it all the time, trust me, all right? We worry. We worry. Things of life cause worry, doesn't it? You worry about your kids, don't you? Absolutely you do. You worry about your spouse, don't you? Absolutely. You know, there's some distractions that we need to undo within our lives. Distractions of what? Distractions of this world. Watch this. He goes, but the, warrior, but the warriors of this life, that's all things that, that come against us that try to take up space within our spirit and mind. Uh, but the worries of this light, the deceitfulness of the wealth and the desires for other things come in and they choke the word, making it unfruitful. Have you ever noticed that you can walk away from an event just like this, a gathering like this? You can walk away inspired. This happens for a pastor. But even before I get home, I can walk through the door and go, you know what? I just might as well throw up my hands and quit. But have you ever walked away from a gathering? Have you ever walked away from your devotional? Have you ever walked away from that? Yeah, Do I have anybody in here? You drive down the road, you listen to some worship music, and man, the Holy Spirit just takes off in you. Yeah. Or you've been in a shower, and you're just in that moment, you're thanking God for everything that's happening. You're in your quiet place, and you're just worshiping God and everything that could be. You, you walk away so confident. You walk outside of these doors, and you're confident. Because you heard a word. You've experienced a worship. But all of a sudden, you're between leaving here and Monday morning, potentially all hell can break loose in your life. And you go, I'm drained. I'm absolutely worried. I don't know if I can keep this thing going on or not. We allow this world to bring such a distraction upon us that it begins to choke the very word out of us. But watch this. It's not society. It's not the world. It's not the distractions of this world that are doing it. It's the decisions that we are making that's allowing these things to happen within our lives. I am so tired of seeing worn out, busted up, Christ followers. I'm so tired of seeing people just completely struggling spiritually. I'm tired of going through those moments where I go, I just I'm not feeling it today. I just don't know if I can keep going like this. I'm ready for us to begin to make some choices with inside of us, some to do some undoing of decisions that we have made in the past and not allowing these decisions to come back again so that we can be different. Jesus calls us to be holy. He says, be holy. What is holy defined as? Be different. I don't want the things that are bringing society down or the world down to bring me down. I know who I am. I have been bought with the price, the blood of Jesus Christ. I know who my Redeemer is, and I know that he's still living. I know that this word of God breathes the breath of life with inside of me. I know that time of prayer is a necessity within my life because I need to be in communication with God daily. But what do we do? We allow the distractions. What is your story? Where are you at? Are you allowing this spiritual indifference to be within your lives? You know, we'll still say, I still love Jesus, but I'm just tired right now. I just want to relax. I just need to take a time out. No, you don't. Do you know the moment, the moment that you go, you know what? I just need to back off a little bit. That's exactly what the enemy is trying to get you to do. This is a little bit different than what I normally give. I get it, but it's so much truth in it. The moment we begin to open an area of opportunity for the enemy to creep in, he will do just that. And he will be successful with it. Because here's what we do. We go, I can do it on my own power. And I don't need God's power. When I need it, I'll go to it. I need it every single day. I cannot go a moment without God being right beside me, leading, guiding me. So we allow these distractions of this world. What happens? What do we do so much of in this world today? Well, there are many people who have a little bit of Jesus, just enough to help them maybe feel good about eternity, right? You know, I pray, I was baptized when I was a kid. Just enough to say, yeah, you know, I go to church every now and then. And when I can, I kind of help out because it makes me feel better about myself. Sometimes I'll do things to help others who are in need just enough to give them some sense of comfort and security, but not so much that it moves us to grieve over our own sinfulness and inspiring us to pursue Jesus To give him glory every single day of our lives. We'll do just enough to feel better about ourselves. But not so much that it will truly change us. What would Jesus undo in your life? Lukewarm indifference didn't just break his heart. But it made him what? Want to vomit. Want to spit it out. What did it do? It turned his stomach. How do we know if we're living in this type of indifference? I've got six things for you. Number one we're more concerned with impressing people than living for God. We become so obsessed with what people think that we forget about who God is or what God thinks. Timothy told us in the end times there would be people who are lovers of themselves. Woe to you when all the people speak well of you. If you're concerned with what people think about us, then we can never ever be living completely for what God thinks about us. So much of what I am getting into, you know, um, marriage, friendships, church, rather than in eternity in heaven, rather than giving. We're so concerned over all of these things We're more concerned with what people think about us than living for God. Number two, we're obsessed with life on earth rather than eternity in heaven. It's all about what we can get right now. Things, stuff. The problem is in Scripture, it tells us this. If you love the world, the love of the Father is not in you. We're obsessed with life on earth rather than eternity in heaven. We talked for the last three weeks of the end. We understand that the early church, when they would greet each other, what did they say? Maranatha. What does that mean? Jesus is coming again. We understand that one of the crowns that will be given to the followers of Christ potentially will be those who are what eagerly anticipating the return of Jesus. In other words, what's that? You can't wait to get to heaven. we, We say things, well, you know, that can all happen, but I'd like to see some things happen here on earth first. I get it. But it should never replace our desire to get to heaven, to be with our Savior. Number three, we rationalize sin. This one kills me. It irritates me. I hope it irritates you. We rationalize sin, and we live without truly fearing God. We rationalize sin. In other words, in our culture, we rename it to make it something not as bad. Watch this. It's not adultery. It's an affair. It's not pornography. It's adult entertainment. What do we do? We give it a better name. Why? So we can feel better about ourselves. What has happened? We have become so numb over sin that we cannot even recognize the sin within our own lives. Because I remember what used to be so wrong is no longer wrong today. If it's wrong in the Bible, it's wrong period. If God said you're not to partake of it, if God said, don't get involved in it. If God said, do not allow it. What has happened to conviction? What has happened to feeling guilty? I pray that we as followers of Christ never get to the point that we never feel the guilt of conviction within our lives. Conviction needs to speak to us daily. It needs to show us what we're doing wrong so it can point us into what we need to do right. We cannot afford to be numb to sin any longer within the church. Our society is given a definition. That's not good enough. The word of God defines it for me. And I live by that and that alone. We cannot allow ourselves to fall inside the trap of that we have become numb over sin simply so we can feel better about ourselves and we're not condemning others. You know we have a responsibility of one another. It's not to cast judgment. But it's to see if I see my brother or my sister falling or failing in an area of life. As a fellow Christ follower, it is my responsibility to go to them and say, what's going on? What's happening? How can we do that when we don't know what right or wrong is any longer? I look at my children, I look at your children, your grandchildren, and I truly fear for them. Because I have seen the way life has gone since I'm 40 years old. I have seen how things have changed so drastically over time. And it's only going to get more drastic and far worse than what has ever been. And then I look at it and I go, I'm sorry, I don't have time to go over that scripture with you right now. We have a spiritual indifference that's plaguing you, that's plaguing us. We have become mediocre within our relationship with Christ. We cannot afford to be mediocre within it. We must be sold out in it with him. Number four, we believe in Jesus, but we, we rarely share our faith. Well, how can you share something if you don't know what it is? How can you share your faith when we don't even get into the word of God? How can we share our faith when we're not even spending time in prayer? How can we share our faith when we're not allowing the Holy Spirit to speak to us daily and lead us? Do you not recall what our default destination is? We think, oh, well, my grandparents were in church. They were leaders within the church. My name is on some church roll at some church. I was a part of a Sunday school class when I was young of some church. And because of that, my default destination is heaven. No. Our default destination is hell. Why? Because we're sinful. But we have been paid with a price by Jesus Christ that changes that end destination for us as the body. And what is that, heaven? But how can we share our faith to other people if we're not taking time to educate ourselves within the word of God? How can we share our faith and be equipped enough when we're only a Sunday morning follower of Christ? How can you be prepared? You can't. Why? Because we have a spiritual indifference. We have a relationship with Christ when it's convenient and comfortable. We don't have a disciplined relationship with Christ that says, you know what, when I'm tired, regardless, I'm going to get in the Word of God. When I don't feel like it, I'm going to spend time in prayer. When my schedule is so busy and I don't have time to fit church in, I'm going to fit it in anyway. When I have... You know, we we get to the spot where, where we don't have time to share the knowledge of the wisdom of the scriptures with our kids. Regardless of what's going on, that's most important in this moment, in this hour, in this present time. I'm going to share it. Where is our priority? How are you living? I think about what Jesus did for us. And I go, God, forgive us even as your church. We, we recognize that scripture and we go, oh, well, well, the hot ones are the Christians. The cold ones are the sinners. That's not what's going on here. Jesus is strictly talking to the church and he's saying you become lukewarm. You're not doing the things you ought to be doing. Society looks at you and they can't see a difference between them and you we become so cold-hearted. we become so nonchalant. We don't want to push a relationship on people. I am so thankful I had a mom and dad that drug me to church every time the door was open. I've had parents come to me. I can't, you know, pastor, I can't make my kids come. Yes, you can. If they're living in your home, they're going to be here. They're 23. Are they still living in your home? They're going to be here. I think, though, I'm getting off a little bit here, but I I think so much, and I go, God, we have really messed this thing up. Forgive us. Forgive us, Holy Spirit. Forgive us, Jesus. Forgive us that we don't put a priority on you and your spirit Forgive us that we have become so caught up in our everyday lives that we allow this spirit of indifference, this mediocrity. There's no more sense of an urgency within the church. We joke about it. Oh, you know what? They might be left behind. Man, we have a responsibility to share love, to share Jesus with people. We can no longer be indifferent over this. But watch this. It it gets to the point of this. You've got to begin to make changes within your personal life. You need to look at you and go, I need to do an inventory of where I am. God, what needs to change? Let's change it. What relationships no longer be? Let's get rid of them. What are the things that I'm involved in? God, it's time to, to break. Some of you watch this. I'm, I'm going to speak a prophetic message over you, and I'm not a prophet, but I believe this wholeheartedly because I've been in the same shoe as this. It is this. You've been wondering, you've been thinking, you've been planning, and you know what needs to change. You're waiting for the right time. Watch. It's right now. Now's the right time. Now the time to cut it. Cut the cord, move on, and get over it we we allow this mediocrity to get in, into us let me move on number 5 <clears throat> number 5 <laughs> do you like that we only turn to god when we need him rather than seeking him daily Rather than reaping the benefits that we have continually at our disposal, we only go to him when we need him. It's like he's a tool. It's in the toolbox that you only go to when there's a project. Now look, I am not mechanically inclined. I can't build nothing. I can't fix nothing. I start looking for people to help because I'm smart. (laughs) I don't pretend like I can do it if I can't do it. But I got a toolbox. If I got to change the battery in the power wheels, guess what I do? I go to the toolbox. I get that wrench out. I change the battery in my son's power wheels. When it's done, guess what I do? I put it back. I ain't looking at it again until it's time again. That's what y'all do as a church. That's what we do with God. We come to him only when it's needed. We come to him because we are so full of spiritual indifference. We're full of mediocrity. We're not sympathetic over him. We don't prioritize him. We go to him only when it's needed. See, some of you, you're all about that stuff. So what is it? It's always with you, isn't it? It's in your truck, right? Everywhere you go, you've got it. You're making repairs all the time because that's your thing. That's what you do, all right? Some of you are like me. You can't do it whatsoever. So what happens? You only go to it when it's necessary. This this God thing, this Jesus thing, this word, this bread of life, This breath that breathes inside of us and encourages us and brings life inside of us needs to be with us all the time, not just when there's an opportunity for it to arise. Think of your closest, most intimate relationships, your earthly ones that you are in. When is it the most fruitful or productive? When attention is given to it, what? Continuously. Not only when you're trying to get something out of it. The Same thing happens with God. When we are constantly with him, when we are constantly being a part and allowing him to speak to us and speaking to him and giving him time throughout our day, that is when it's the most fruitful within our lives. Number six. Watch this. Hopefully you've gotten at least this one all throughout it. We're not much different from the world. What do we do? We're entertained the way everybody else is entertained. We watch the same movies, whether they're pleasing to God or full of filth. We spend our money essentially on the same way. We raise our kids according to the same values, then spend our life doing the very same things. And yet we're not different from this world. What are we? Without even knowing it, without ever intending it, one day we wake up and realize that we are spiritually indifferent. What happened? Life chokes out the passion. Some of you, you may wake up and realize, after who he is and what he's done, that you've been living a life of spiritual indifference. You're not cold because... You re- you recognize that there's a purpose, but you're not hot because you're not passionate about it. Watch this. Want to go to church today? Nah. Okay. It's cold outside. It's getting to be that, right? Not yet. You want to go to church? Nah. Okay. You want to use the gifts that God has given you to bless other people? Nah. Do you want to be generous and let go of the love for this world and use it for the blessing of someone else? Nah. Watch this. You want to leave someone to Christ? That's for someone else to do, not me. This is the attitude that Jesus was talking about that breaks his heart. The, the word says that it causes him to what? Spit him out. Here's some good advice. Spend time in God's word. It's his living word. Talk to him daily within prayer. Fellowship with him. Don't just talk about it, but listen. Share your, with, share your faith with people who are lost. Fellowship with other believers. Pray for each other that you can be strengthened. Worship God daily just as part of, not just as part of who you are, but to overflow your heart to other people. Turn from your sin. When the Holy Spirit convicts you of something, displeasing to God, confess that before God, turn away from it, and pursue Jesus with passion and righteousness. Every day, Do something that requires faith. Every day. What might that be? Give a gift to someone that might stretch you. Apologize to someone maybe that you have hurt. Choose to forgive someone who has hurt you. Reach out to someone that God puts on your heart. Pray for something that is absolutely impossible for man, for someone else's life. Attempt something on your own that you could never do without his approval. Jesus said this, works without works, excuse me, Jesus James said, without works is dead. When we're living by faith, what tends to happen? Instead of being consumed with everything around us, we get consumed of him. When we begin to live by faith and we step out, it doesn't matter what other people begin to think any longer. The only thing that matters is what he, how he is leading us. We have become mediocre as the bride of Christ, as Christ's followers. And God is challenging us to say, Are we willing to step out or to undo this spiritual indifference? God, put that fire back inside of me. Put that desire back inside of me. May I be excited about serving you again. May I be ready to go out and share your faith, share your word with other people. May I be willing to go out and and even though everything around me may be crashing, I'm not going to let everyone see that. I'm going to let them see the faith that's inside of me. That says, you know what? Greater is he that is in me than what? That is he that is in this world. i got a scripture here I want to read to you. Revelations 3, 17. It says this. These are the words of Jesus. You can stand with me. He says this. I am rich. I have acquired wealth and do not need a thing. But you do not realize that you are wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. And then Jesus closed that entire letter. He says, here I am. In other words, what's that? Listen up. That I stand at the door and I'm knocking. If anyone, what? Hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in. Here's my favorite part. And eat with that person. You've heard me tell you so many times, Jesus ministered a lot around food, did he not? How about it? You know what I mean? You can't get any better than that. Let's go to a table. Let's eat. I'm going to tell you about Jesus. You want to open an opportunity to minister to somebody? Take somebody out to dinner. Take them out. Pray over the meal. And begin to share the word of God to them. It's a great opportunity. But Jesus said, go back to that scripture again, please. He said, here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice, opens the door, woo, opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person and they with me. It's so simple. It's so easy. You know, I want you to think about your life right now. Are you, are you living or have you been living that spiritual and different life? That life of mediocrity spiritually. That life of no sense of urgency Just kind of going through the motion. It's easy to do that. It's easy to get sucked into that lifestyle. It's easy to be into that season. But you're only there because you chose it. There's power in your choices. There is. So why don't we make the choice today and go, you know what? God, I get it. I see it. And I don't want to be indifferent any longer. I don't want to live that indifferent life any longer. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to throw something on them right quick. Are you playing something that they can sing? Okay. Here's what you're going to do. You're not going to leave. You're going to stand right there. He's going to play this song. You're going to sing it here for a moment. And then I'm going to challenge you with something, okay? But while you're doing this, think about you. This is one time you could be selfish. Think about you. Where are you? Are you living in that indifference? Think about that. Go ahead. So this is going to be real easy this morning. I want to make sure, first of all, everybody in here who wants to be a Christ follower is a Christ follower. Maybe today you could say, and here's how I'm going to do this. This is going to be really easy for you. Maybe today you could say, you know what, I've, I've not ever given my life to Jesus. And today I want to do that. I want to give my life to him and I want to live for him from this day forward. Now keep that in your head. Keep that there. Keep, just keep it there. Because there's more to this. Now you might be standing there today and you you might be saying, well, pastor, I'm a Christ follower. I've accepted Jesus into my life, but you know what? I see that. I see that spiritual indifference in me. I don't like that. I've seen it creep up and, and I'm not okay with that. So you know what I would like to do today, pastor, is this. I would like to rededicate. I need to start this thing afresh. I need to start this thing anew today. Because you know what's so great about God is the moment we go to Him and we ask for forgiveness what does it say the Bible tells us in Psalms He casts it as far as the east is to the west does He not? It's gone. Why does He say that? Because He no longer remembers it. It becomes what? A freshness. A newness in your life. So I'm combining all of that. Both of those things in the one response if that's you today and you want to do that in your life, all I want you to do is slip up your hand. That's me. Awesome. Awesome. I'm going to pray over you. I'm not going to have anybody repeat a prayer. If you're giving your heart to Jesus for the first time, I'm asking you to do this. Come see me at the end of the service because I want to pray with you specifically over something. But for everyone else, let's pray this prayer. Father God, we love you and we thank you for this day. You saw, Lord, every hand uplifted, but even more so, you saw every heart. God, you've challenged us with the word today, and that is to break the mediocrity of our spiritual life with you as followers of Christ. Today, God, from the sinner to the follower, we're asking you, Jesus, to be the Lord of our lives. Be our king, our master, and our Lord. For many, it's the first time acceptance of you. For others, it's a rededication. Whatever it be, Lord, it's a brand new start in their lives today, God. So Lord, because of that, we thank you and we love you. God, from this moment on, Lord, we're going to do all that we can to break this chain that has plagued us so bad as followers of Christ. That no longer we're going to be just over mediocrity. No longer, God, Are are we going to live just indifferent when it comes to you? But, Father, we're going to go full force in you. So, Father, we love you, we thank you, and we praise your holy name. So, Father, as we leave this place, let the words of our mouth, meditations of our heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our strength and our redeemer. And every gift, giving and tithing to you may it be used to continue to grow your kingdom. In Jesus' name and the church says, amen. We love you.